0: students, professors, alumni, friends. They are the people who have been shaping the American University in Bulgaria for the past 30 years. My name is Tetana and I have been following the growth of the campus all my life. As a neighbor, as a student, as an alumna, as an employee. But there is still so much more to be discovered. Join me in the journey of AUBG. What are the challenges in front of renewable energies? What did the student life look like 30 years ago? And what were the first entrepreneurial ventures of the AUBGers? Maria Petrova will give us
1: a glimpse of the story. I'm an AUBG alumna from the first graduating class. I graduated in 95. So it's I know we are celebrating 30 years since the university opened, and I remember that day very well. She is
0: currently an associate director at Georgetown University, Washington, D.C., where she creates programs in environmental science and sustainability. This month, Maria will give a pop-up class at AUBG on managing energy transitions.
1: I met uh, the president of the university, uh, President Evans, um, at a reception at the Bulgarian embassy in Washington, D.C., And I also uh, met the chairman of the board of directors and other representatives who were there, and I asked what are you doing in terms of sustainability at the university. And I understood that there are many things that are happening in a very positive direction, which make me very happy, Uh, but Uh, the other thing that I asked is what are you doing about educating the students in that area, and it turns out that you guys actually don't have that many classes that are offered in terms of sustainability energy environment. um, And environmental management and sustainability so that's what sparked the idea of offering a course in that area and because my main field of study is environmental science, sustainability, and in particular renewable energy. I was thinking of offering a course that relates to that, and it's the managing transitions course.
0: Great, thank you, and that's going to be
1: a one-credit course, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. so it's going to be offered, I think, in November and December, and it's going to be a one-credit course, and the way I'm thinking about it is that um, energy is important to anyone. You can't do more an hour without energy. You need to heat your coffee. You need to plug your phone. We need this electricity in order to see each other on Zoom, for example. So it's everywhere around us. So the way I'm thinking about this course, it's designed for anyone who is interested in what happens when you flip the switch. And what does having an energy um, transition actually entail? And we've had so many energy transitions in the past, but what are the main leading factors of those energy transitions? And um, something that is very important is usually that, that those energy transitions happen when the price of the energy source is becoming higher or more expensive Um, of current energy and we find cheaper energy sources. And when we are able to offer alternative services of those energy, like make it cleaner with renewables or make it more affordable or more reliable. And these are all aspects of energy transitions that you need to understand the role that they play in order to understand what the current energy transition entails and switching to renewables. I, and I, I can talk more about it, um, like, for example, why um, the current energy transition is important to everyone and what does that entail? And you probably have heard about the IPCC report. Mm-hmm. Um, The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and and the current COP, there is a a COP um, meeting of the parties that's going to be taking place in Scotland this year. It's COP26, where countries get together and decide what are they doing about protecting the environment and reducing their carbon emissions, which is the main, the leading factor for changing the climate. And we are very all very concerned about why this is happening because it affects everybody. And all of these countries are trying to contain the increase of temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. And it turns out that one of those factors would be a switch to renewable energies. But that switch is not that simple because renewable energies have issues as well. Um, We think of them as a savior of something that needs to happen and will help us. And that is the case because they will reduce carbon emissions a lot. But we need to think about what um, putting solar panels to supply electricity for everybody, for example, would mean. Um, How much land would we need to do that? Um, what's the cost of obtaining materials for building solar panels and then at the other end what happens after 30 years when a wind turbine for example stops to function because their life shelf life is what we call it is no longer than 20 to 30 years can we store can we recycle them Can we reuse them? So these are all new innovations that are coming and are putting challenges for businesses. And we need to understand them in order to be able to respond better.
0: I totally see that. And I'm happy to see your passion about the topic. And uh, I believe that the students will appreciate that as well Um, next month. I wanted to ask you how, in fact, did you uh, get interested in the topic however I'd like to go really back to the beginning um not sure if aubG was that beginning or even your high school years so can we please start off with how did you decide to join aubG and was it there where where your journey to where you ended up today started wow. okay <laughs> I know I'm taking you way back
1: <laughs> yes so um, um that's great yeah. I love AUBG so I'm happy to talk about it it's the best years probably of my life had a lot of fun there especially being from the first graduating class the uh, excitement in the atmosphere was very different I think from when some, something is very established so um I am originally from Varna Mm -hmm. and I studied English at the English Language School in Varna. And um, because my dad is in the Merchant Marines, I had the opportunity when I was um, 17 to um, be with him on a big cargo ship. And we were originally going to sail to South America, and I was very excited because Traveling from Varna to South America would entail crossing the equator. And it's a big journey. So that was going to be extremely exciting for me. However, what happened when we crossed Gibraltar, so when you exit the Mediterranean Sea, they changed the course of the boat. And all of a sudden we were going to go to North America instead of South America. So no more Mm -hmm. equator for me. (laughs) (laughs) So we went, Um, on a very interesting journey. So when you're on a boat, you don't see any land. So you have a lot of time to think and read books because there is no TV or there was no TV at that time, no satellite communications. So um, you look at the ocean for a long time and at the end where we wound up was in Duluth, Minnesota. But we went through the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence River on the border of Canada in the U.S. And it's a very nice area um, because most of the time when you travel through the Great Lakes, you see life and you see um, where people live and you see their houses and you see life. So that, that was great to be close, to not feel so isolated but the reason i'm telling you that story is first of all because that opened my eyes to what uh, to different ways of living that people in the united states and later on i went to germany france italy with my dad so i've traveled a lot and i knew that there were was different ways of doing things in the world which was very interesting and people approach life in different ways so Um, coming from a communist Bulgaria when you weren't allowed to travel, something that you probably don't remember anymore. uh, It was very exciting and very um, educational for me to see all of these different lifestyles and ways of doing business, living, and so forth. But the second reason um, that this journey had an impact on my life was... uh, looking at the waves in the ocean and thinking how impactful they have been for everything that we've been doing throughout history in general, because we've been using the ocean waves for medication, for transportation, um, connecting people and cultures. So the oceans have played such important lives throughout history and at any time So when I um, signed up to do my PhD at Oregon State University, it was very easy for me to choose the subject that I wanted to study more about. When you write a dissertation, you have to do a very extensive study. And what I picked was wave energy. So wave energy is the extraction of energy from the ocean waves. And it's a new technology that could be coming to Bulgaria as well which I'm very excited about. And um, it was a brand new issue in Oregon as well. Not many people knew what wave energy entails. So what happened is I studied how people who live on the coast perceive it as opposed to people who do not live on the coast or in major cities. So what was the difference in public opinion in these two groups? In Uh, what are the factors that define public opinion for people, especially on new technology related to energy? So that's why I studied renewable energy. From then on, I went to Boston to the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. I was a postdoctoral student uh, where I studied, what are the challenges for implementing wind in the state of Massachusetts. And Massachusetts is a pretty small state and very densely populated. So people in the state do not want wind energy everywhere. And when you cite renewable energies, there are certain considerations that you have to have in mind if you're a business developer. For example, you have to work very closely with communities to do, to implement those projects. And it's not something that we are used to thinking about. Usually you're looking at where is the resource best, right? Where do you have the best wind? Where do you have the best solar energy to site solar panels? But there are so many other considerations when you start really looking into implementing those technologies that come into play. So what's the relationship of public opinion? How does that impact those technologies and the relationship between business and policy? You mentioned business a couple of times. You are a business major, right? That's right. My major at AUBG was business administration. And one of the reasons it was business administration, first of all, when we started, uh, we only had five majors. I know there are many more now. But um, business was something very new um, to Bulgaria at that time. Business Mm -hmm. administration, we really didn't have any private enterprises. So being able to understand how business functions, innovation, um, those were very interesting topics to me.
0: And in that case, could you please... um explain to me what is the journey of a business graduate of going to the sustainable field and learning about because it as you mentioned it's a new topic it's something new that uh, businesses are still getting used to how uh, how do you feel about this kind of change or switch in the businesses and how does it affect what you're doing and learning
1: so um In everything that I've been doing since graduating from AUBG, I um, got my master's in marketing as well. So I worked at universities, but trying to attract students, always working with students in a university environment, which is a lot of fun for me. I really enjoyed that. Um, But what I've understood is that businesses have a key role to play in any type of transition, especially the energy transition. And, and the climate, we talk so much about climate change. We hear it all the time and what we need to do. And that's something that cannot be done solely based on policy decisions, or you can put it only on the people and say, go change your behavior, start using less energy, be more energy efficient. That's not something that's going to happen only by putting it on the people or on policy. But you have to involve businesses, first of all, because about 30% of the businesses are responsible for about 70% of the emissions. So if you don't change businesses or if you don't involve businesses and get them actively participating and see how they can contribute to this energy transition and becoming more energy efficient and using renewable energy sources and using less plastics, and um, becoming more sustainable, it would be very hard to achieve to accomplish that transition. So businesses, in my mind, have a key role to play in the overall transition, and we need to understand what motivates them. Why would businesses uh, do something that might be a little bit more expensive, for example? And there are many reasons for that in one of the reasons that um, we've examined and we see everywhere is the change that's coming from people like you, basically. The the students, the the millennials, the Gen Zs, um, your generation are the people who are saying, yes, I will buy a product and maybe I'll spend more money, but I want to know how was this product made? Did you use child labor? What kind of resources did you use? Do you plant trees when you use a resource? Um, we talk so much about uh, reducing biodiversity and conservation, and it's a key factor because we are losing species at unprecedented rate. And how what are businesses doing to be responsible to protect the environment?
0: Once again, we are mentioning um, AUBG, and you mentioned that. Uh back then it was probably less um, established than it is today. Uh, and since we're talking to many of the, um, uh, the alumni from the first class uh, and we're gathering their memories, could you just share anything so that we can, uh, I don't know, see the time that you were studying in?
1: Wow. Okay, so when we started, we lived in uh, Skaptopara, and the old residence hall of the former president of Bulgaria, Baytosho. And um, in Bistrita, where the residence halls were located, there were only 120 of us in the first graduating class. So we all fit in those residence halls. And it was amazing, even Professor Bobby Phillips, who is still around, he lived with us in those residence halls. Um, and there, are, there were some other professors um, who also lived there as well. But we had a bus shuttle to take us down from the residence halls to the main building, which was in the main party house. And sometimes, if you missed that bus, you had to walk or you had no other opportunity to get the class. It's either miss class or you walk or wait for some, some car to pass randomly to maybe take you down. And sometimes it would happen that the president of the university at that time, Laverty was his name. Um, he would also be late for class. So it, he would drive by with his wife and pile up five or six of us in the car and take us to class. So it was a lot of fun um, sometimes when you were lucky to be able to drive to the university with the president of the university. Um, what else? We usually um, went on Friday night to the Bodenita. I don't know where you go now. I, I would think that there are many clubs and places to go in Blago yeah.
0: There are typical AUBG places for sure,
1: yep. And Bordenita is still functioning? It is still there. Okay, so we would have many conversations there and parties, but all together, usually it would be the whole class going. And at that time um, in the residence hall, there was an area that the students asked to use it as a cafe. And it was given to the students and they were in charge of maintaining that cafe and we can buy coffee up there, but that happened at the end of the first year pretty much. But it was fun that there were those opportunities to be entrepreneurial and creative. Um, I was just
0: going to to ask whether this was like really back from the first year of, the, of AUBG, the
1: entrepreneurial spirit. Oh, absolutely, and Radio Aura, which you still have, right? So there are so many things that happened in that first year because we all thought the reason we went to AUBG was because we wanted to change the world. We were all there because we wanted a better future and make Bulgaria a better place Mm -hmm. for everyone.
0: Sustainability didn't really exist back then as as a term, right? that's
1: right although it's been around for the last 30 years but it wasn't commonly used you wouldn't talk normally about it
0: what was your vision of the future back then compared to right now
1: about bulgaria or in general about anything you were thinking of back then so I uh, have something interesting that I remember at that time was there were so many shortages in Bulgaria. Like, I don't know if you've seen pictures or remember what the stores looked like at the time, but you would have one main store, especially with, when the, with the changes that it would sell shoes, meat, uh, rope, anything you think of, you can find in one store like the so, universal yeah. universal shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was cheese whenever it's available. <laughs> but there were huge periods when, with the changes, you probably remember, or you've read about, don't remember, but have read about when the currency changed and devalued. So the left lost a lot of its mm-hmm. uh, power. Uh, many people lost their savings um, the energy conversion, um, you could buy a gallon of milk or a liter of milk for a thousand leva. Something crazy, um, the cost of money changed. Everything was changing and there wasn't that much available. So creating a steady, well-developed, increasing level of life was something that we, I think, was all striving for stable climate where people can not think about would I have anything to eat like it's still the case unfortunately in many countries but um, how can I do better
0: you participate in the Fulbright right could you tell me how did this happen and what exactly you were
1: doing um, yeah um, of course um, something else that I also wanted to mention besides the Fulbright Ever since AUBG and I think AUBG started it and that's why I'm so happy to talk about it. My life has been a string of firsts. So I'm from the first graduating class of AUBG. I'm probably one of the first people to study wave energy in depth from a public policy perception. when I moved to Boston after Tufts University where I did research on wind energy I was the first manager of a National Science Foundation uh, program, supported program that brought together masters and PhD students from different disciplines. And the purpose of that program was to get them to take classes together and work together for two years. They were fully supported by, by this grant to learn to understand how the different disciplines talk about climate change, talk about environmental issues, because when you approach those issues from a business perspective, you use different terminology. And when you approach them from a marine science or biology perspective, there are things that you don't don't think about cost, for example, if you're trying to make something more biologically stable. But when you approach it from business or from policy, There are other considerations. So by having people taking courses together and spending two years learning about each other's disciplines is something very unique. And I spent five years with that program uh, from its beginning to the end. So that was a first for me and a first for the university. Right now at Georgetown University, this is the first master's program that they're putting together in environment and sustainability management. And anything to do with the environment, although there's so many different things that are happening on campus that are related to the environment, there hasn't been a concerted effort to bring those all together. And um, there isn't even a major in environmental science at the university or environmental studies an undergraduate. Right now we are working on those and how integrating more environmental science in the curriculum. So there are a lot of changes happening, but there are so many things that um, with AUBG, I have been one of the first to do. So um, I can say it's very exciting and it's okay if you don't know exactly now where life will take you or what would the... Terms that you'll be using in twenty or thirty years will be. Um, I think if you do what you believe in and what you enjoy, you'll be happy. Sounds great. You good. get a good realization <laughs> and a good career.
0: And one more first to add up to your uh, list of first is the um,
1: the class that you're going to be giving. Yes, that's so exciting to me. And working (laughs) with students like you from AUBG, and I know the quality of the students at AUBG is extremely high. Um, I know that our first graduating class, for example, when um, the way we were accepted at the university Mm -hmm. is they brought us all together, like everyone who wanted to apply, there were only two days uh, for taking the TOEFL and the SAT. And we had never heard about those. They brought the paper tests from America and they set us up in uh, the University and The Southwest and, University, yeah, yeah, here in and, town. And they got us together. They put us in a huge lecture hall for 500 people, spaced us out and gave us the, the test. And that that was the first time that I saw a SAT test or a TOEFL test. So it was very, very, very different, and I feel very fortunate to be able to be part of those 120 people who were from accepted and graduated from the first graduating class. But there are so many new things that are happening, and I know that people who are accepted at AUPG because the quality of students has risen over the years. That makes it very exciting for me to be working with the students from AUBG.
0: I'm honestly so happy to have the chance to have you back on campus. And back to the Fulbright program. Yeah, so um, program.
1: the Fulbright program, um, the course that I offered at the Fulbright, it of summer program. So the course that I offered was on business communications because it's not something that's usually studied or understood very well either. And um, with my uh, business administration background and being able to be in different places, understanding how people communicate for business purposes is very important. Um, You have to know how to um, set your tone in writing an email, for example, You can um, appear angry, or if you want to say something, you have to be assertive. So there are different types of communication styles and purposes that are important to understand in order to be able to use them. And um, that's how I wound up and did um, one course at FISI, that was the Fulbright Summer Institute. It was called FISI. And I think after that, they closed it. So from, from that perspective, I'm from the last <laughs> <laughs> cohort that taught the summer program.
0: Interesting. While well, I was um, researching your basically LinkedIn profile, more or less, and I uh, Uh, going through any materials related to your work. It was mostly about environment, renewable energy, like AUBG business. But then you are also talking a lot about communications and marketing. And I'm just wondering how is this, all of these um, spheres related of going from business and then marketing. I guess there wasn't marketing back then when you were studying, was it?
1: Not not at ABG, I did my marketing degree at the University of Sheffield in Greece. So what's the relationship? The relationship is really simple because business and marketing look at people as consumers Mm -hmm. while when you study environmental energy, you look at them as citizens. But the approach that both sides use It's pretty much the same because all you're trying to do is communicate an idea to people and get their buy-in. So you you try to understand their value systems. Like for example, in marketing, um, you, you do this age segmentation. So at different stages of life, people have different interests. When you're young, you try to establish a family, you buy different furniture And that's very well studied in the marketing sphere because in order to sell something to somebody, you need to understand what attracts them to your product. And it's pretty much the same from an environmental perspective. How do I get you to be more energy efficient? How do I change your behavior? What are the uh, skills that I need and the tools in order for understand your values and talk at the same level as you. How do, because people who look at environmental issues, they have many different perspectives. There are people who don't believe that there is any issue with the climate, for example. So how, you have to learn what motivates those people and how to talk to them. So understanding values, motivations, behavior whether it's for consumers or for people as citizens, there are many commonalities. So both disciplines have helped me a lot. And there aren't many people who are trained in business and environment. So I think in that way, I have really found my niche.
0: I, I've honestly never told of that connection. Um, so thank you for that. Is there anything else that you would like to share as part of your um, journey until today and
1: probably where are you right now or what are your goals in life? Uh, Of course, and um, I will put in the chat a link to the new program that I am um, working on and launching at um, Georgetown University because what I would really like is for people from um, AUBG, who want to pursue a master's degree in environment and sustainability to be able to come and take this degree, because I know you guys would do great. So if if there is an opportunity for students to be supported, to get scholarships um, and in general to come and study, if they're interested in environment and sustainability, I would love to be able to accomplish that somehow. Um, and I would, um, so one of the things that I mentioned is that we need businesses to be involved in the current climate and energy transition and to achieve sustainable solutions. Um, and we rarely think about it, but we really live in an existential crisis. There are so many things that are happening with climate change, sea level rise, species extinction, that we need to take urgent action. And businesses, especially in America are moving towards in that direction because they're measuring their goals. They're trying to be more sustainable. Uh, General Motors, for example, has set a goal to uh, have all of their vehicles be electric by 2035. So that's a very ambitious goal, especially knowing where we are now. Uh, companies are do- talking about impact investing.
0: Could you, uh, Since you mentioned electric cars and there's been uh, this kind of debate going on in Bulgaria about that, could you share just a little bit about, uh, I don't know, the idea of the electric cars and why are they better than the ones
1: we have right now? Um, for one, they don't pollute. <laughs> oh. uh,
0: I'm only asking that because we are talking uh, a lot with uh, other students here about uh, discussions that are going on in the local media. And um, there was a statement um, going around that it is said that they do not pollute, but in fact, they said that they cause more pollution because they require more, more as a um, resources to be made. And then once we have the battery used up, uh, we cannot really do anything with it. So at the end of the day, they are less, less efficient than the engine ones. Is that how
1: we call it? Yeah, yeah, Am yeah. Am I using that, the right terms? The, oil, the cars that run on oil on yeah. and gas, yeah. So um, the transportation sector actually produces one of the biggest percentages of CO2 emissions. Um, And we rarely think about how much energy we use and how energy is transported or how we do transportation. And what is happening is that we think that if we transition to renewables, we'll be able to solve all of our problems. But there are so many other innovative technologies that we need to take a look at. And um, I will share with you that um, the course, the way I'm designing the managing transitions course is that it will entail writing a paper and a presentation on a completely new uh, or innovative source of um, energy that is coming or is being used, like distributed solar. Not know, if, I don't know if that's something that is being talked to in Bulgaria. Uh,
0: I know about solar, but then distributed, <laughs> not really sure.
1: Okay, so there is something called distributed solar as opposed to concentrated solar. There are different types of technologies. Uh, electric vehicles is one of them. So what from a business perspective, for example, what are the value propositions that these new mm-hmm. technologies and innovations bring to the market? So for electric cars, it is known that um, we don't know what we'll do with the batteries. Will we be able to use a different type of source to store power in them? The other thing that is right now, a big discussion even in the United States is, what happens if you charge your car? It charges on electricity, right? You use the electricity to charge your car, but where does the electricity come from? Are you using a coal power plant? to produce the electricity? Or a nuclear, where does, what's the source of your electricity? So something that we need to think long-term is that the, the whole energy transition would require changes in everything that we do. And not all of those changes will be easy because we'll have to switch to doing things differently. But one of the advantages of electric cars, for example, is that you can use the stored energy in the battery to give it back to the system. So you can use it both ways. You can charge it when the electricity is low. So you can during the day, for example, when you have solar or wind, I mean, when there is low consumption of electricity and it's not needed that much. because understanding that uh, solar, wind, all of these renewable energies that are coming now have many disadvantages, like solar doesn't shine throughout the night, right? Yeah. Uh, Wind doesn't blow all the time. Wave energy is not produced all the time. So all of these devices, they have different level of efficiency. Mm -hmm. So for solar and wind, it's between 30, 20 to 30%, and even higher in some cases. So we are working on increasing the level of efficiency of those sources, but being able to combine the renewable energy sources that make electricity to use the cars as storage And then give it back when you need it is something that is a very interesting concept and it is possible because we know um, here with smart meters that their households that have solar panels. And the excess electricity that they do not use for energy consumption within the household, they can return it back to the system or they sell it back to the grid. Okay, so. That's a known concept, that's not something, I know it's new for Bulgaria, there isn't smart smart metering in Bulgaria, but it's something that has been done for a while and it's a um, known practice. So giving back to the electrical system can be done. And if you store the energy in the car batteries and give it back when it's most needed, For example, what we need to understand is that the electrical grid is not only used for a consumer, for residential uses, but it's also used for commercial and industrial uses. And those uses are mostly during the day. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it depends, but there are so many angles and points to look at and examine, so. And I can say more about the class because I'm so excited yes. about it. <laughs> please the, do. The, the way I'm thinking about it is I want to bring guest speakers mm-hmm. because um, I think uh, students really appreciate hearing different perspectives and not just listening to me. Um, the way the class is structured would be for a three-hour block, so two back-to-back classes in the afternoon okay. for you guys. It would be for at 7 o'clock in the morning for me. But for you, it's in the in the afternoon. And what the, the types of speakers that I want to bring are those who have experience working with renewable energies, for example, And what is the United States doing uh, in that sphere from a policy perspective. You probably have heard about the Green New Deal yeah. uh, and um, everything. I know there is a Green New Deal in Europe. There is a new deal here. So there are so many uh, types of changes that are coming and being implemented. And President Biden is proposing a huge billions of dollars of money to be dedicated to climate change and to the energy transition. But it's not being approved by Congress because there are people with different backgrounds and interests. So it's pretty controversial in any change. It takes a while to get buy-in and to get something implemented. So one person that would come as a guest speaker is somebody who is looking at policies and what needs to happen for those policies to get implemented. What are the types of policies right now that are gaining traction in the United States? Like what are we doing about electric cars? And it's not only electric cars. In order to achieve reduction in carbon emissions, we need to change the whole fleet of transportation We need to change um, the cargo transportation as well. So the big trucks that use much more than cars, what needs to happen for them to be actually battery operated as well. So that's something that's coming. Or different types of fuels. Maybe you've heard about hydrogen fuel. It's something that's talked a lot in Europe. Um, It's a new type of fuel Hydrogen doesn't exist in nature, but it's extracted from water when um, molecules are separated. So being able to use hydrogen when you burn it, it produces a lot of energy, but it doesn't pollute. So can that be um, what needs to happen to implement that as a new source of fuel? Uh, And the other speaker that I want to bring Uh, comes from the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. It's called FARC for short in the United States. And that speaker works on implementing new changes related to the grid, because the grid in the United States and the grid everywhere, the electrical grid, the wires that you see, it's so important of the way we distribute and transmit electricity. And there are so many changes that are coming to the grid, but we rarely think about them. Because when you switch to producing energy locally, if you use solar panels on your house, if you use wind turbines in your area where you live, you can create those mini grids that need to be connected throughout or with each other rather than having that major huge transmission system of bringing energy that's produced in coal plants or nuclear power plants. And and that's changing. And uh, Bulgaria is working very hard on that. Um, Bulgaria got interconnected between Greece and Bulgaria. The interconnection happened. The next interconnection that's happening in Bulgaria is between Bulgaria and Romania. And that way, Bulgaria will get connected with the whole European Union and all the countries. So when would we be buying and selling electricity? You, I don't know if you know that electricity prices and uh, gas prices in Bulgaria yes. increased so much lately. Yeah, what... we, we are following that topic. Mm-hmm. Why hard. did that happen? What entailed it? So it's, it's something we can take a look at in the course and see what are the factors that are influencing those prices and changes. Great. Yeah. So I can't stop talking about the course because <laughs> you know? I'm thinking about it all the time. And, <laughs> and it, I really want
0: to ask more, but then I know that it's not a class time. It's it's an interview time <laughs> so i believe whoever wants to uh, learn more they can sign up for the class and then i can try to audit it i guess <laughs> yeah um i hope it will have the chance to really hear more from uh, you and from everything that the students will do and then uh, more from the people who will uh, sign up for the uh, program in georgetown hopefully some of you will be yours as well
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. I would love to have AUBG students at Georgetown.
0: Last words, what is one thing that students really should think of while studying?
1: That's a great question. Um, What should students think about? I think in anything that you do, you can think about how you're making a difference what is your contribution for what you're doing? And how would you change the world? What mark would you leave on the world? How are you making the world a better place? And I keep thinking in terms of electricity and energy, but there's so many other areas that need improvement and uh, deep thinking and hard work. So don't, don't stop dreaming challenge the system and work hard towards your goals
0: thank you that's a beautiful answer thank you it, it's pleasure talking with you after the official interview we talked more about the AUBG community projects the sustainable initiatives and the happy moments this is how she told of yet another memory she wanted to share Okay, could you tell me a little bit more about another first that you had?
1: (laughs) Excellent. So I just remember that I didn't share with you that my first job out of AUBG was working at AUBG. Okay. And I was the first alumni coordinator and development officer. And I am very proud to say that I started the Alumni Association And I I worked at AUBG until 1998. So for three years, I used to know the graduating classes after me. But while I was working as an alumni coordinator, um, I worked with my fellow alumni to set a charitable concert. I organized a charitable concert and we donated all the proceeds to um, Bonita and Sofia. So there is a plaque, I think, still in Bonita. We bought um, a machine, an apparatus to help with the heart because those machines were very rare at that time. So uh, we organized the concert um, in the Endica, and it was so oh, that was a really huge thing. Really huge thing. It, they televised it. There, okay. there must be a recording somewhere. So I got because we had so many talented alumni at that time. Um, I don't know if you know Nadia Kuneva. She sang uh, uh, Dido. Dido is still uh, in Bulgaria. He does Moite Body right now, Dido Vasilev.
0: Um, Yeah, he he
1: was singing Manol Pekov. He had these are all
0: names we hear
1: a lot about printing agency in Bulgaria, publishing agency. He prints books. Um, So, love for education. Um, And um, all of us, they all have beautiful voices. So, they sang, and I had um, uh, Stefan Steriv who was uh, doing the Caval. We had some famous musicians in general and we had um, ABG performers. And I had organized with um, different companies like Golden Sands, the resort gave a weekend for free to winners, we had a lottery. So people were okay. buying many lottery tickets. Uh, I worked with a company called Domain Boyar um, who's, that sells wine? Wine is still here, yeah. Yeah, so Domain Boyar were my one of my sponsors, Golden Sands. Oh, and uh, Malev Airlines, so they gave me a ticket to Budapest, uh, for two. So th- there were so many uh, different companies that participated, and the whole concert was supported by the uh, American ambassador at that time, Bo- um, Bowen. Um, she was amazing uh, by the British, British ambassador, by um, AUBG uh, Board of Trustees, um, Ambassador Stanchov who was the first Bulgarian ambassador to the UK. So when Bulgaria opened up borders, the borders in the transition in 89, he was stationed in the UK in London. So he was the first ambassador. Uh, in the UK, but he had come back and he supported us and many other people, Dimi Panita, all all of the people uh, from the board um, that were here and the ambassadors, um, we attracted a huge crowd with that concert and that's how we raised the money to buy um, that equipment for Alexandra Skabonica. So what you were doing with the Kapatki reminded me of that experience a long time ago. So very good, very good.
0: Thank you. And yeah, that's a big thing for the campus. Everywhere you uh, go, uh, you'll see a bottle full of, kapachki, of caps, plastic caps, of bl- bottle caps. And uh, we are collecting a lot. And that's uh, that's amazing.
1: That's great. That's great. Do Thank you, you for have sharing. Do re- refillable bottles?
0: Uh, yes. To- uh, we yeah. have it in the, that makes four out of the five buildings on campus. We are working towards the, um, putting the equipment in the fifth one as well. Um, and people do use them a lot. We had a motivational campaign, but it's an ongoing project.
1: That's great. That's great. So there was no reason for me to talk to you about consumer preferences and changing behavior. <laughs> if you have taken uh well, since classes and you have a minor in marketing but that's okay
0: no that's amazing I'm sure that the listeners will do appreciate the uh, explanation on that thank you for sharing and I really didn't know about the the concert and the, this whole initiative it's uh, so
1: amazing to learn this all the time
0: the yeah, stories of yeah. AUBJers
1: so I'm so happy now with the alumni association and what's happening and that people are more actively participating.
0: Stay posted for more AUBG stories.